Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. This week marks one year when Disney announced the closure of both Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Other parks internationally had already closed, but this announcement cemented the national emergency that was within our own U.S. borders. While the Walt Disney World parks did reopen in July, there is still so much I miss, while at the same time, so much I've learned. I covered the key milestones over the last year. I covered the top three of what I will not miss about this pandemic period, what I would like to see kept moving forward, what I still miss while waiting for all this to end, and finally, what I'm grateful for. Note that much of the podcast is also outlined on our DisneyAtPlay.com website, so please join us there and subscribe there as well. Let's take us back to a year ago. I remember this thing happening and coming into play. In fact, even before Disney made the announcement of its closure, I I ramped up the number of times I was going to the parks. In fact, I actually started going to the parks almost every day because I sensed closure would probably be imminent. I remember stepping in particular through the Disney Hollywood Studios turnstiles and putting my finger on that sensor, you know, after you scan your card or your, or your band. And I'm thinking to myself, this really isn't a very clean, very practical activity. Is Disney even clued into what's going on? Are they being sensible to what is happening? In fact, the annual, uh, annual shareholders meeting was held and there was a conversation at the same time, I think it was the same day maybe, where I heard Bob Iger talking about, well, uh, now that I've stepped down as CEO, what am I going to do next, essentially is what he said, and I'm going to Disney World. And, and uh, I'm not sure that he actually made that trip or that he got out there and it dawned on him that this was really not going to uh, stay open very long. But at any rate, the, all these events were happening uh, at the same time. And I even, um, as the parks were closing internationally, I put out a podcast that frankly drew the ire of uh, one particular travel agent who said, you're just, you're just trying to get bait clicks. You're just trying to, to try to get everybody all anxious about this uh, COVID thing when there's nothing to be anxious about, nothing to worry. This is not going to, they're not going to close the parks in the U.S. and so forth. And I wasn't saying they were closing the parks, but I was saying, pay attention to this because this could happen to us. And it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, I think that actually came out about a week and a half prior to the uh, parks uh, officially calling a close. So I was kind of out there saying this might happen, but boy, drawing a lot of ire for doing that, um, a lot of frustration. I made sure that on Saturday, uh, the last Saturday it was open, I think Sunday it was, was open as well, but on Saturday um, evening, I came out to the Magic Kingdom and I just had this foreboding about 
the park's closing. There was a part of me saying, this is not going to happen more than one or two week, two months, I'm sure. I, and I, I kept having these conversations with David Zanola, who is a travel agent himself and was trying to deal with his own customers. Ah, no, I don't think this got last very long, but I think, you know, it, it is closing for sure. And our, the thing that I stands out most about that evening in the Magic Kingdom is um, this group of, of college program cast members all gathered in Frontierland. I'll show a picture on the on the show notes page on disneyatplay.com. Um, they all gathered for one last photo because they were going home and the program had ended. And I think they were in shock more than anybody else could possibly imagine. They really, and I remember holding the phone, which we don't do now. We don't hold people's other people's phones, but I, I took their phones and helped them take a picture and grab one myself to remember it by. Um, and, uh, Wow. And, and I remember walking through the castle on the way out and down Main Street and thinking, okay, how soon? How soon will I be back here at the parks? Um, uh, it was an uncertain emotion. It's the best way I can describe that, that event. Um, and I decided, um, I decided I was not going back to the Walt Disney World property as close as it is to where I live. I was not going to go back. Um, and I was true to that for about, I want to say two, well, that was March, April, May. I would say this was probably the end of May around maybe Memorial Day. But it was before they Disney announced that it would reopen Walt Disney World in July. It, we were still about two to three weeks out from that announcement. And I finally, on a date night, my wife and I took a drive through Walt Disney World. And it was hauntingly different. It, it was, it was dark. And we went down World Drive. The lights were still on, the signage, but it just felt different driving through. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get myself in trouble dead ending at the Magic Kingdom Tollway. I'll veer off at the at the Epcot exit, thinking that you could take the one that you could then fork off of that and hit the road that leads you toward um, Disney Springs. But it didn't. I I I've forgotten that that road. Everybody, all road that road dead ends to the to the uh, ticket, uh, the toll booth at Epcot. And I felt so stupid as the security cast member. I said, I think I got lost. And, you know, they're just kind of looking at me and go, well, you know, and just telling me move left. There were, there were just beyond that uh, police lights on security vehicles, um, keeping you from going any further into um, the main body of Epcot. Um, and I felt both stupid for having <laughs> driven off property, but secondly, sad. It was just, it, it was just sad. All these years I have been, and Walt Disney World is a cast, but I've been everywhere and anywhere, and it just seemed all closed. It seemed surreal as I drove through there. The announcement was made not long thereafter, 
that Disney Springs would open. Um, in fact, I remember actually going to City Walk because it got out the gate much quicker than Disney Springs did, which I thought was surprising. I thought Disney would be first out the gate, but no, they let, I, I think almost by two weeks, uh, City Walk had reopened, and that was a surreal experience walking around City Walk. The same thing occurred when I did so at Disney Springs. What made it different, uh, what made that really stand out, was the experience of literally walking into Josh Diamaro and having the opportunity to capture a short interview with him. Uh, it was a, not a discussion on the closure or the pandemic or or any of those things. It was a it was a discussion on leadership, um, and I'll put that video in. I I love dearly that video the, um, because it speaks to his leadership. I, if anything, I walked away feeling feeling like it's going to be okay. If this is leadership for Disney driving this. And this man is here physically on property, present with everybody else, with the cast members, interacting with the cast and with guests. I feel like it's going to be okay. So that was a, that was a good feeling. Um, and then I remember the first day that Magic Kingdom opened. I had, um, I had a reservation to go in to the Magic Kingdom and that we have a whole YouTube video and podcast based on that. But I think the thing that really stands out in my memory is having kind of gone through and, and really covered it, I finally took time about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon to have lunch at Skipper Canteen. And uh, nobody was with me from my family on that particular occasion I think they were kind of waiting to find out what's this going to be like. But um, I remember being having this quiet corner seat, practically the entire room. The It's the Sea Society of Explorer Adventures room, having that all to myself in the corner. And it was that moment I could just stop and breathe without a mask, I should say, and realize it's going to be okay. It's all right. Um, since then, easily, I have been to the park 60, 70, 80 times. I cannot count the number of times I've been to the park. Usually it's been about two times a week, sometimes three, sometimes only one, but I've been to the park frequently. I have become accustomed to how the park operates. I have seen a level of consistent service and experience and response to this pandemic from day one. If anything, they've only continued to raise the bar, not lower it. And it has been impressive to see what I have told other corporations and organizations that I consult with. This has been the best example, the best model of how to deal with providing a guest experience in a COVID period of time. And I, I have actually met with many clients and shared with them videos and, and highlights about how do you get guests to get on board and be compliant to this. And, and so I, I have those memories of, of sharing these best practices with these 
organizations. That's what I do for a living is help them improve their customer experience, their leadership, their employees. And so this has just been an extension of that is other uh, sites, locations um, have tried to reopen as well. I shared with that. I would say if anything has stood out um, over the, since the park is open, it's, it's those special moments that I've had with my daughter or my wife uh, trying out the, the food and wine festival and all the eats, Christmas time. The Halloween and Christmas cavalcades have really stood out and have just been these special moments where it just, you completely forgot. And the fact that they added all the Christmas decorations, uh, they, they had a little bit for Halloween, but they really went out for Christmas and it made all the difference in the world. Everything they could do, they did. Those are the things that I remember from the last year. So let me share with you, if I can, um, <laughs> three things uh, on, a, on several lists. And the first is what I will not miss <laughs> about this um, COVID period of time. The first, the th number three is I miss just dropping in, which I described earlier, just before the park closed, just I think I'll drive by and see what it's like over at Epcot or at Animal Kingdom. Having to make a reservation is not one I would um, like to keep around. I want to, I want to get rid of it. Now, there, in fact, in all truth, there's a hassle factor in trying to go to the park um, in a way that you didn't earlier have as a Disney annual pass holder. You just showed up. So uh, I've only in, in 20 years since being a cast member, I've only had maybe one or two days where I couldn't go to a particular park because it was full. But otherwise, I could go to the park when I went to it, and I miss that. Um, now, unfortunately, I don't know if this will go away. And in fact, I dare say it probably won't go away. There are advantages operationally to Disney with guests making a reservation. It helps them to anticipate crowds. Not that they shouldn't have data on that for the last 50 years, but notwithstanding... I don't think this is going to go away, uh, but I wouldn't miss it if it did. So that's number three. What I will not miss is making reservations. Number two, what I will not miss is limited hours. Hours have been shorter. It's sometimes you can't get into Disney's Animal Kingdom much after sunset. And, uh, and, the, and the Magic Kingdom, the same thing. So trying to do a date night or trying to just enjoy some family time after work that's been that's been difficult. Now my work is flexible. Sometimes I've been able to go during the day or two, and that that helps. But I liked longer days. I liked going to Epcot until illuminations occurred or the fireworks, and you just made a day of it. Um, I miss that, and I, and so I will not miss the limited hours that have been occurring. The number thing, number one thing. This is no surprise. The number one thing I will not miss is wearing a mask. I have been compliant. I have been faithful. I have bought my share. I've got lots of Disney math, facial coverings and other kinds, but there's nothing enjoyable about wearing that mask. 
And I look forward to a day that I can smile all the way down Main Street without having to wear a facial covering. So those are the three things I will not miss. Now that said, there are three things that from this experience, I'd like to see kept. Number three, um, social distancing and cues. I like it if somebody is six feet in front of me and six feet behind me. In fact, I don't know that I won't keep it that way, at least in terms of stepping up to the people in front of me. I don't like being squished in line. I don't care for the strips on the ground telling you where to stand. But uh, if people uh, could learn more social distancing on their own, that would that would be great. Um, I just am not a big fan of being all squished in the queue. Number two, one thing I would keep, technology. There's some good things that have happened. First off, mobile ordering happened long before the pandemic, but they have increased the number of restaurants using mobile ordering. And I would encourage them, especially with third partner organizations to do more of that mobile ordering um, service. I like not waiting in line to order my lunch and then wait for it to be ready for me. Love that. Additionally, they created with Disney Dining Reservations the what's called now or available now where you could just press a button saying, where can I go right now to eat at a Disney um, server style restaurant? And I like that option. And I think that's a smart option. And I think it would keep restaurants fuller and would help Disney's bottom line if they kept that. And I think they probably will. The third thing in technology that hasn't been um, widely done is the whole thing around mobile shopping. I like that service. I like the idea of not waiting in line again to check out um, my merchandise. Um, so that's still a ways from really being um, provided across the board. They they have not really added more places than the places they were piloting. And but I would like to see more mobile shopping take place. Uh, technology has been a friend to this experience so far. So I I like that aspect of it. So social distancing cues I'd like to keep. Technology I'd like to keep, the number one thing I would like to keep, and this might be a little controversial, no FastPass. I like FastPass gone. I never liked FastPass in the beginning. I knew the world before FastPass, and the world is much better without FastPass. Um, I want it to be fair for everyone getting in line. And the wait for those who did not get a fast pass six months or three months or whatever it was early um, just seems very unfair to the rest of the group. Let's just all stand in line and the lines were designed to move at a fairly fast pace given the ride vehicles and their ability to move crowds. The lines move faster when everybody, when there was no fast pass. So I really would like to keep that element moving forward. Now, what do I still miss? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, number three on the list, I miss 
Typhoon Lagoon. Now, Blizzard Beach reopened this week. I have not been there because um, in previous years, I've had the Premier Card, which included Disneyland and Walt Disney World and the water parks. And I would go see the water parks whenever I had an opportunity. But I have a pass now that does not include it, doesn't valid, it's not worth including. If I were going to do a water park pass, I'd probably do an after two pass. But it, right now, I, those aren't even available and only one water park is open. Blizzard Beach is amazing in terms of its theming, in terms of its slide designs and so forth. But I miss Typhoon Lagoon. It's paradise on Disney property. It's your it's your vacation away from your vacation. And I just like the casual atmosphere. I like the new coaster uh, uh, raft ride they put in um, that has this sea component, Society of uh, Explorers and, and Adventurers. Um, I like all that. I, there's just so much I like about Typhoon Lagoon. I look forward to it eventually reopening, though it will be next year, clearly, before we see that. But it's one thing I miss. Number two, I miss, I dearly miss, I really, really, dearly, truly miss the Disney Cruise Line. And the announcement by Bob Chapek the other day that it might be fall before um, these ships resume uh, broke my heart. I was really hoping something had happened sooner than later. I have to tell you, I'm not a person who makes cruise plans two years in advance like others. I take advantage of the, of the Florida uh, discount rate. And we go on to cruises with about two weeks, three weeks notice. But we get a really good deal on the cruise. And then we absolutely enjoy it. Now, I do want to go to other places like Europe and and Alaska, but um, any rate, I'd just be happy to go to Castaway Key right now. I miss Castaway Key. I miss the cruise line. I'm excited for the new ships and the feeling that you could truly get away from it all. Wow, powerful. Disney Cruise Line is so amazing. I really miss that it's not there. The number one thing I still miss even though I've been to the property many, many times um, since it's reopened, there is something I really, really miss. Shows, street entertainment, parades, fireworks. Where do I begin on this list? I right now make my apologies how much I took for granted Streetmosphere at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Please bring that back. It was fun. I want to be in that. I, I want to, and you know what? I go to places like Hong Kong and Tokyo and I record the living daylights out of these places because I don't know when I'm going to be back. And yet I have no video of these things. Even though I've lived here for decades, I have no video of these things. I am so frustrated that I have done these things. And I miss Streetmosphere. I miss the beauty of the Festival of the Lion King. What amazing, powerful messages. I have cried in many a Festival of the Lion King show. The Candlelight Processional at Christmas. You know, I'm breaking down this next year and doing the whole food package and not just watching from the back. I want to really 
immerse myself in the candlelight processional next time. I miss that. The Festival of Fantasy Parade, another thing where you just see it so often, you kind of think, huh, I'll just walk around it. I'll just move on and get on to the next thing or just kind of watch it as I walk by. That was a miss. That was a miss. That is a great parade. You need to stop, drop, and watch the parade. No one's too busy to stop, watch, stop, drop, and watch the parade. And the same could be said. Happily ever after, I will be there when you reopen. Those were amazing fireworks. And I truly, truly miss that. Um, other things as well. Uh, boy, Indiana Jones, The Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. So many show Fantasmic, um, which so many people take for granted. But uh, let me tell you, I miss all of these things. And by the way, I would be unhappy if they kept the character cavalcades. I think those were pretty cool, having the characters on boats going by at Disney's Animal Kingdom or on a carriage through Epcot. I think that's, they shouldn't get rid of that either. I think that's pretty cool as well. So finally, having looked back on this year, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about three things I'm grateful for. First, health. That hasn't been everyone's fortune in this COVID period, and for that I lament. But it has been especially important for a daughter of mine who has had huge health challenges, for two children of mine who deal with autism, for a wife who is in front of school children every day, and for a daughter-in-law who is on the front lines as a nurse practitioner, I appreciate the blessing of their health as well as my own. Moreover, I'm grateful for scientists and doctors and healthcare professionals who've really gone out of their way this year. Second, I am thankful for the visitors who come to Central Florida, not just the ones who came back after the pandemic, but, you know, tourists are the backbone of this community I live in. And without them, this would be one sleepy little town. Instead, it's a world unlike any other you can live in. Vibrant, dynamic, exciting to be part of. I am grateful for the tens of millions of people who visit Orlando, Walt Disney World, and all the other attractions every year. And finally, first and foremost, I must do a shout out to every Disney cast member, especially those who have not yet been called back. Disney College Program youth are especially part of what adds to the energy of any Disney experience. I hope that every young person, whoever wanted that experience, will not miss out because of this interruption. Moreover, I just hope that all those who really want that experience of working at Disney will be able to come back and serve. Well, that marks our first and hopefully our only one year anniversary, annual anniversary of COVID. We have no interest in making this an annual tradition to talk about. We hope that by this time next year, it's just a distant memory, a memorable 
but still distant memory. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being part of Disney at Play and also our sister site, Disney at Work. And for your checking in on our podcast, we hope that you subscribe. Uh, if you feel good about the kinds of podcasts you listen to, please uh, go out to iTunes and just share a friendly uh, word of thanks or um, uh, give it a, a good rating. We're the littlest podcast engine that could, and we're just trying to, to provide something meaningful to to those who listen. Also, check out J. Jeff Kober, K-O-B-E-R, at iTunes. That's where, um, and you'll see many of the links to some of our iTunes videos on our DisneyAtPlay.com site. So that's a great way to get out there. But subscribe while you're there so that you can be alerted whenever we have um, videos. We always do a video in connection with any of our park uh, visits, and we do at least one park visit a week. So we we uh, it's great to be connected to that and, and make sure you do that. Um, you can ride on your stationary bike or uh, run on your treadmill as I as I head through the parks. And, uh, and so that's a, a great way to do that. Finally, uh, if you would, please check out, and again, you can see this on our Disney at play.com site, uh, check out the Wayfinder Society. This is our Patreon site for Disney fans. And, you know, Patreon is the idea here is, uh, you know, to help make the podcast possible. Okay, if you could just, you know, donate a few dollars to help out. That is certainly appreciated, but unlike other Patreon sites, we really offer some really very cool things. And if you go out there and take a look, you'll see that we have, depending on different levels, interactive apps and ways to explore the world of Disney, unlike any other way you can explore it. Videos and images and, and insights and uh, so much. So definitely check out the Wayfinder Society. You will find value as the same time you contribute and help support um, this podcast. And by the way, a portion of your contribution goes every month to Embrace Celebration, which is dedicated to helping Disney cast members and others in this community who are unemployed during this pandemic. So if you can, for no other reason, please come help um, give to that good cause. A few dollars makes a big difference. And finally, in the words of Alan Menken's uh, song from Sinbad's Storybook Voyage at Tokyo Disney Sea, we end with this phrase every week. Always follow the compass of your heart. Again, thanks for joining us. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. <laughs>